God's grace, which is his undeserved love and his mercy, which is God taking that love and putting it into action in our lives and his peace, which is the result of that love. They are all yours through faith in Christ Jesus, the world's only Savior. And it's in his name that we gather this morning. And as we do so, I ask you to think about the subject of role models. Do you have one? You see, we we are Americans, and Americans, I would say, and maybe even Texans more than just Americans, we love our rugged individualism. We like to, perhaps more so than than others, they say at least, uh, chart our own path and be our own person. And yet I would say that the idea of a role model is still very common among us. And whether you want to admit to me who your role model might be or not, I also want you to think about who you would want your kids to emulate. So I did some poking around, as I frequently do, on the internet. And it's not hard to find lists of different role models that are out there. In fact, there's one source in particular that they like to publish every year, their top 10 role models that would be good for everyone in life to emulate because if everyone could just be like these 10, we would be much more inspired in life and most certainly have a better existence. And so, in this top 10 role models of, of, of those who would inspire us, here are some of the names. If only we could all be like Albert Einstein. Yeah, okay. He, he was sometimes very greatly appreciated for his mind, but also ridiculed for some of his thoughts until they, he, he stuck to it and, and, and they realized that he had some great insights. So that's one. But then they also put um, right next to Albert Einstein, if only we could all hold in high regard Marilyn Monroe. Parents, would you like your children to be like Marilyn Monroe? Maybe, maybe, okay. Uh, The Dalai Lama makes the list. The only spiritual role model that was inspirational, according to this list. If we could just be like Dalai Lama or Oprah Winfrey. She was on the list. We just need to be more like Oprah. Or, it was kind of interesting how this one took a turn from one year to the next. Bill Cosby was on there, and then he wasn't, right? There was only five of them. There were some others that were interesting, but you think about it, it's hard to find the right role model because everyone is looking for something different. And you know where I'm going with this. Today as a congregation, we are going through our our core values, and, and I've already stated what one of them is. We seek as a congregation to become more like Jesus. What does that mean? To have Jesus as a role model or to use the word that's going to be used in our scripture text to imitate Jesus. Well, what we're going to find is that in Jesus we do have the perfect role model But what's even better, we have the perfect 
motivation for following him as a role model. We're going to explain what that means. So listen now as I read to you from Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 30. And then we're going to spill into chapter 5 by a couple of verses. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So you think about those different role models that are out there. You think about what you want your next generation to grow up and to be. And here's one thing for even those of you who say, no, I want my child to chart their own course. Here is one fact that you cannot run from. Everyone in this world, everyone, whether it's this generation or the next or a generation that's to come, we will all be a bunch of imitators. No matter how ruggedly individual you think you are, you will be an imitator. And really, there are only two different sources of imitation, scripturally speaking. You see, when we were created in this world, that is to say when the world was initially created, when Adam and Eve were the crown of God's creation, Adam and Eve were created to imitate in all they did a gracious God in heaven. When we talk about Adam and Eve having been created in the image of God, we doesn't, it doesn't mean that they looked like God, God is a spirit, but it does mean that they were walking with God in perfect righteousness and perfect holiness. They were imitating God in all that they did because they were walking together, glorifying God with a cheerful heart in the absence of sin. What a beautiful life to imitate. But we know that that life is long gone. And so that brings us to the other way of life that becomes common, in fact, unstoppable. That life that we imitate so often in our daily lives is not God's will, but, well, it's the devil's will. And I know that it sounds like such a stark contrast here, but when sin entered the world and now sin becomes part of who we are, we are now imitators of a fallen world and of an opposition to God. We are imitators of the devil because just as the devil fell from grace, he now desires to watch us as we, in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, we imitate him and we question God. And we get mad at God. And we try to become our own God. And we dictate to God. You see, we're a bunch of imitators, whether we want to admit it or not. 
which brings us back to our core value. Recognizing the sinful world, not only that we are in, but of which we are a part. We seek to be more and more like Jesus. But what does that look like? Well, listen, Paul actually spells it out for us. He, he says what it is to be an imitator of God. This is what he says. He paints a picture. Imagine if everyone is imitating God, if everyone had Christ as a role model, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, he says. Isn't, isn't that such a difficult thought? He's saying when you are imitating the ways of this world and when we are living for ourselves and we are following the pattern of a sinful world that we are born into and a part of, we regularly and routinely are causing the Holy Spirit to be grieved. That's a consequence for our actions. We actually disappoint him. He weeps for us because he sees that this is not what you were intended to be. He sees the, 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 the divisions that come among us and he says, I can't believe they're doing it again. He's grieving them because he says, you were sealed. Sealed what? Sealed for the day of redemption. He's saying, you've been called to a greater life, which is a life of the forgiveness of sins. And you've been sealed in that, so stop following a pattern that is old and out of date. And so what does that look like? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And the way to do that is get rid of all the bitterness and the rage and anger and the brawling and slander and every form of malice. Wouldn't that be great? To just get rid of it. Not only in our own lives, but then in the lives of the next generation, if we could just weed that out, do you realize how different our lives would be on a day-to-day basis? If we could get rid of things such as anger, bitterness, brawling, and slander, I don't know what we would do with our time. Because those things are dwelling inside of us and they come up and they show their ugly head and they turn our words and actions into the worst possible thing because we get driven by bitterness and it makes us mad. But we're supposed to imitate a higher. A higher being, a higher source. We're supposed to imitate our God. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit anymore. Get rid of all of that. And when you do... It's going to be amazing the effect it's going to have in your lives because can you imagine having a life that's no longer driven by bitterness and revenge and anger, but of joy, of peace of mind, and of love? Imitate that. And you will have a whole new lease on life. And it won't just change your life, but it will change the life of others because what we don't realize is that when we are imitating the wrong being, it takes such a toll on not only our own lives, but the people around us. We don't even realize the extent that our bitterness affects those that we technically or theoretically love the most. 
But think about it. How we bring our negativity, our sinful thoughts, and our rage into our houses, and we watch our spouse that we love, and the children that we have been entrusted with, and the next generation, and our coworkers, and we just sow the seeds of dissension, and it's our fault. We need a better example. We have the perfect role model, and his name is Christ. And it says, this is what it looks like. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Wouldn't that be nice? If we were the solution to the problems. If when we walk into a room and there's negativity there and you see the anger that's welling up, we're able to say a word of forgiveness and a word of love and a word of kindness and to calm the situation. We're supposed to imitate that. We want to be more and more like Jesus because that's what he did. He came and he brought peace to this world. We have the solution. We're supposed to be more and more like Jesus. And I could put an amen right here. And we could be done talking about this, but we would be missing the key ingredient. You see, it's so common to talk about using Jesus as our example and using him as our role model, but we forget one of the most important aspects he actually gives us the right motivation to do so. It's kind of like when you are getting ready for a vacation and you're going to take a road trip, you and your family, and you you, you pack up, you get everything ready, you get the car all ready to go, you you make sure that you got your, your GPS all lined up, and you get in the car, and you're ready to go, and I forgot to put the gasoline in. Asking people to seek to become more and more like Jesus without the proper motivation is going to lead them completely down the wrong path or not even allow them to get off of go. Which is why we are reminded that in Jesus, the one that we seek to become more and more like, he gives us that perfect motivation and this is what it is. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The right motivation for seeking to be like Jesus is the motivation that's found in our salvation. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to drive home. You do not need to be like Jesus in order that you can somehow and in some way present yourself as a perfect entity or being before God to be judged on your own merit. No, he said, you want to be more and more like Jesus because he has put you at peace with God and now we get to duplicate that with others. We can say and share the message of salvation that has been won and accomplished in Christ with all of the other relationships in our life. We can live Christ's way 
so that others might come into contact with the knowledge that in Christ, forgiveness of sins is a reality, for he loved us and gave himself up for us as a sacrifice to God. You see, the Apostle Paul is a masterful example of this. What's amazing when you go through this section is the Apostle Paul, every time he exhorts the Ephesians, and now you and me, to become like Christ, he always does it after he highlights what Christ has done for us. He says, if I can find the page, he says what? Get rid of all bitterness. Be kind and compassionate. But then what does he say? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. It's done. Christ paid the price. He has put you at peace with God. And now he says, as a redeemed child of God, let's go ahead and and get that bitterness away and live a life of love. What else does he say? He says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. He's reminding you that your status has changed because in Christ, we went from being enemies of God to children of God. We're at peace with our Father in heaven and so we get to follow Christ and be like him as we represent that love to others. What else does he say? Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself. Past tense, it's done. Christ has done the heavy lifting. He has granted us the forgiveness of sins. He has been our Savior. And now we get to live in that love and represent that love to others. We have a role model. Or one that we can imitate. And what a joy it is to let that be our Savior himself. And now you know why as you go through the pages of the New Testament you have exhortation after exhortation to grow. To be into God's word. To let the word of God dwell richly in us because as that happens we are confirmed in the knowledge of our Savior and motivated to demonstrate that same love in all that we do. Every day we want to become more and more like Jesus. Showing that same love to all. Role models? I actually haven't thought that much about them. And it's fine if you want to choose a role model for your child, someone that you think is going to be a good example in the majority of different ways of this world. But let's not forget the role model we have, or as Paul would say, let's simply be imitators imitators of God and of Christ Jesus. And as we daily imitate his love, we will always be reminded of the greater love that he has shown us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Savior. Amen.